Well, first of all, good morning, Woodland Hills. <laughs> uh, I'm so glad to be here. Thank you for coming out, those that are in the building and also those that are watching online. My name is Cedric Baker, and my wife and I have been attending Woodland Hills for about five years, and we are just so grateful uh, around this community and body of believers, just so special uh, to us. I also want to thank Greg and uh, the team here for giving me this opportunity and time to uh, share what's on my heart and a message that I believe, hopefully, if you allow it to, uh, will help us grow uh, as a community. So currently, if you attend here, you've been here for any length of time, we have been in a series uh, for, for almost about two years now um, called the Sermon on the Mount. It's the teaching of Jesus in Matthew, where he's really challenging us to look at our behavior and our relationship with each, uh, each other, but also our relationship uh, with him. And I've said, and I will consistently say that, um, actually the Sermon on the Mount has been extremely difficult for me and my Christian walk because it is truly challenging a lot of my assumptions um, and in the ways that I've been thinking and really aligning myself with the teaching of Jesus, what he said, how he wants us to uh, work together, love each other, and then love him. And most recently, we've been really focusing on uh, love versus judgment. It's just been really, really good. However, I want to take a pause today from uh, that series um, to talk about something else, um, but hopefully you see the connections that I have and it makes sense to what we've already been talking about here at the church. So, um, for many of you, you are aware of the recent news that happened this past week. And what I'm referring to is the Supreme Court ruling that overturned um, Roe v. Wade. Um, this was a case that, a court case that established the constitutional right for uh, a woman here in the U.S. to receive an abortion back in 1973. So I preface this by saying that I know um, many of you, some of you may be watching, have very strong um, beliefs on this topic. And I know that some of you may be for or against the recent uh, court decision to overturn Roe v. Wade. I was actually watching recently um, on, online, social media, but also the news just how uh, polarizing right now this conversation is um, based on how people feel about uh, the decision. So I had been planning my message for about a, a month or two, way before I knew anything would happen um, two days before I was scheduled to preach. And so I want you to understand that. <laughs> As I, I, I talk this morning, but I also say that because I want you to hear my heart. Friday morning, actually, I was praying. I, I got up early. I was able to get to the gym. And as I was working out, I was thinking and asking God, like, what is it that you want me to say to your people? How do, how do you want this message to land? And the one thing that I continue to keep praying to God during that time, actually before I knew anything that came out um, or on the court case, was I want my message, I want what I say to you to pull people closer to God and not push them away from God. That is my heart. 
And so I want you to understand that that is my heart before we get deep into this message. Some of you, um, whatever I say today probably isn't going to be sufficient, and I understand that. And then there are others of you that whatever I say today, um, it may go too far. Whatever it is, please hear me and hear my heart. I'm coming in love, and I want us to continue to grow as a church family together. And so with that, I would like to pray <laughs> during this time. Pray with me. Father, we thank you so much for this opportunity to come together as a body of believer, uh, believers um, to worship and praise you, but also hear a message from you. I pray that you anoint my words and that you open up all of our hearts to hear what you have to say. I pray that whatever I say is drenched in love. And I pray, Father God, that what everyone hears is all about you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. So today's message, I am entitling it Our Civic Responsibility. Our Civic responsibility. And hopefully you will understand my play on words and the title as we um, go down uh, further in the message. And I am going to actually return to the whole topic of abortion a little bit later in the message. So I want to start by a definition just so we're all on the same page. And I really like what came out of the University of Michigan um, on what this whole concept of civic engagement is. I think it'll be helpful for us as we go through our time together. It says, civic engagement is contributing and working to make a difference in the public or civic life of our community and developing the combination of knowledge, skills, values, and commitment to make that difference. It means promoting the quality of life in a community and solving public problems through both political and non-political processes. So when we're talking about getting engaged in our community and getting civically engaged into the affairs of our society, some examples um, that you may think of is strictly just uh, what's going on in the national headlines. But it's a whole lot more than that. It includes that, but it's more than that. It's using our say-so that God has given us to change and help and support our brothers and sisters here in our society. It could be financially supporting an organization called Breaking Free here in Minnesota, uh, which helps survivors of sex trafficking find housing and direct services. It could also be volunteering here, right here at Woodland Hills with our food, food shelf, ensuring that people in our community have the food they need for their families. It could be voting in your local city or county elections or even advocating for an organization here in the Twin Cities called Arrive Minnesota, uh, which helps fellow immigrants who are fleeing war from another country just get the basic necessities that they need to live their lives here in America. It could also be just helping, going over and helping an elderly um, person in your neighborhood buy the groceries that they need or mow their lawn because they aren't able to get to it. Those are the types of things that we're talking about when we think about civic engagement. Our country, here in America, but in all countries, there are a level of expectations that 
they have for those citizens, such as obeying the laws of that country, paying taxes in that country, maybe serving on a jury to make a decision about um, one of your fellow citizens, or hopefully getting involved in your community and making uh, your community a better place. We can see as citizens of a country, those expectations are supposed to benefit the whole. It's for the common good. However, as Christians, we forget, and we cannot actually forget, that we are considered, considered ambassadors of another kingdom, ambassadors for the kingdom of God, and we have to understand our civic duty towards that kingdom. We can't forget that. Jesus spent a lot of time in the scriptures talking about this kingdom and talking about how different the kingdom of God is compared to the kingdoms of this world. A lot of people during that time were thinking about when they said the kingdom of God, it was all about force and rule and wealth, authority over to subdue enemies. What they were thinking about is what they saw, what they saw happening within kingdoms during that time, riches and authority to subdue others, characteristics of a lot of those governments. But I like here of how Jesus talks about it in Luke 17, 20. It says, one day the Pharisees asked Jesus, when will the kingdom of God come? Jesus replied, the kingdom of God can't be detected by visible signs. You won't be able to say, here it is, or it's over there. For the kingdom of God is already among you. Another way to say that in another translation, it says, for the kingdom of God is already in you. The kingdom of God is already in you. The kingdom of God is not a physical place. It actually transcends space and time. The goal is not trying to find out where the kingdom of God is, but rather who and how. The kingdom of God is wherever God's people are located and living out their faith in relationship with him. That is the kingdom of God. I consider the kingdom of God as a state of being. But in our society, we aren't seeing that. We aren't seeing the kingdom of God truly being manifest. What are we seeing? We are seeing levels of greed, people wanting more and more and more. More wealth, more power, more fame. It's never enough. More followers on Instagram or Facebook or TikTok. Because it's never, it's never enough. We're seeing selfishness. We are mainly thinking about ourselves. How can I get ahead? How can I benefit from what's happening? We're not thinking about our brothers and sisters that are in need. We're thinking about me, mine, and ours. We also see abuse. Greg even talked about it last week. We even see it in the church. Sexual abuse, lying, cover-up. That is not the kingdom of God. We see intentional reporting in our news, and it doesn't matter which side you're on, that confirm our beliefs on how we feel to say that I'm right and you're wrong. We are looking at, in many instances, the news to confirm how we feel and to support 
our beliefs without trying to understand someone else's or trying to understand why they believe that way. We know it's important to have a stable democracy, a stable civically engaged constituency, actually for that society's survival. It actually reminds me of something called social capital theory. I'm gonna nerd out a little bit just because I like this stuff and hopefully uh, you can as well. Um, it examines social relationships and within those social relationships, how those relationships can uh, benefit an individual or the community as a whole. So in general, social capital theory is about my investment into you or us and that there is a benefit based on that investment. This theory pulls out um, the human capital and the capacity of people. So some examples of this is if I find a wallet, and I know who it is, instead of taking the money, I return it. I find who the person is and I return that wallet. That benefits that person, social capital theory. Or I consider to make a donation to a worthy cause, maybe it's a homeless shelter because um, there are a lot of people that are down on their luck at the moment and they need support and help. And so I provide a blanket or clothing, a social capital. It's saying that my investment into this situation will benefit all of us. I want you to understand that that is important and how this is going to later on align to how we're supposed to operate within the kingdom of God. Civic participation and political involvement is a key to a strong democracy. And, and this is my perspective, um, civic engagement can include some very tough top topics, some very meaty topics, some hot political topics, such as we've been seeing, uh, at least this year in the news, uh, critical race theory. Uh, what should our children be uh, understanding and learning in schools. Gun control, to what degree should we have limits on the purchasing or selling um, of guns or even possessing, possession of guns? Vaccinations, should we do it, should we not do it? Or immigrants that are coming in from another country to either, maybe the immigrant is coming in because they are fleeing a terrible situation or they just wanna make a better life for themselves and their families. What do we think about that? Should we close our borders to a certain degree? How much? A little? A lot. Today, I want you to focus on these questions. What is my civic responsibility as not just, an, not just a citizen here in the U.S. or wherever your country is, but what is my civic responsibility as an ambassador for the kingdom of God? What is our civic duty in this very torn and broken world? What is the Christian standard of engaging in this world? And as I was thinking of that, I was thinking of a scripture that says like, we're in this world as a Christian, and yet we're not of this world. What does that mean? How do I navigate that in my daily life? So there are three things that I want to leave with you and I want you to consider um, as we talk about this topic. Number one, love must be the motivation of believers. Point blank. Motivation must be love. 
We see this in 1 Corinthians 15, and Paul did an excellent job to the, uh, talking about this. He says, for what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Paul here was talking, writing back to the Corinthians church, and they were actually focusing on the wrong thing. And he said, hey, 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 wait a minute. Remember what is of most importance to you, that Christ died, that he died for all of us. As an ambassador, what's our why from the kingdom of God? Our why is that everyone in this world was worth Jesus dying for them, and we have an opportunity to acknowledge what he did by showing love to everyone else in this world. We don't need to know, and let me be clear on this, as a Christian, we don't need to know all the answers. As believers, our desire to see the love of Christ experienced in this world should compel us. It should compel us to get involved into the affairs of our community. This other-oriented, self-sacrificial love compels us to get involved into understanding and trying to change those that are hurting, those that need help, those that are down on their luck. That love compels us. Number two, we are the light. We're the light. In Matthew 5, 14, I love how it puts it. It says, you are the light of the world, a town built on a hill which cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Also in Isaiah 1:17 it says, "Learn to do right. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow." What these scriptures are trying to tell us is that we can't expect the light to come from anywhere else but us. We are the light of the world. And specifically in Isaiah, it says that we can't wait. We need to go out and seek the injustice, seek out areas and ways and opportunities to help our brother, uh, fellow brothers and sisters. These scriptures tell us the importance of our role here and what we need to do as kingdom ambassadors. We cannot be silent as a Christian. We cannot hide as a Christian we must get involved into the affairs of our local community. We must look for opportunities to seek out those injustices. The Bible says that when we do this, that something actually happens. When we do this, it allows our light to shine, not just so others can see how good we are or what we've been able to do or how thoughtful we are, but the goal is so they can see Christ that is why we're doing this, not to show how good we are, but so we point to him. We point to him. They see our good deeds, and we point to him. Number three, 
Examine how you are showing up in your community. I am not here to tell you, actually, I don't think it's any church's role or responsibility to tell you what to engage in. Whatever you are passionate about, whatever you have um, insight on or you have experience on or that you want to make a difference on, I think you need to go in that direction. I personally believe that it is going to be a choice between you and God. You may need discernment on where God leads you, but it is not my role or the church's role to tell you what you need to get involved in. It could be a cause that aligns maybe politically with a certain party or neither. Community engagement isn't only about what's going on at the nation or the state. Community engagement also involves what's going in right in your neighborhood. I was thinking about this, and there are certain things that actually would be so helpful as examples. Maybe it's agreeing to babysit uh, neighbor's kids to a single parent who can't actually attend a parent-teacher conference. They need to figure out how to support their child, and you stepping in to babysit allows them to support their child. Maybe it is using your ability because you're bilingual and you speak another language to help someone understand and navigate systems here because you can help. Maybe it's using that gift that you have, that skill of being able to be a translator for someone else. Maybe it's donating clothes to a homeless shelter because, again, there's someone that's down on their luck. Are you intentionally finding ways to get involved and help your community. It is our responsibility not to say, oh, that looks bad, but to say, oh, that looks bad, and I can do something about it. We can do something. We can do something about it. So let's return, actually, to the whole recent decision of Roe v. Wade. And I know some of you are thinking, but what am I going to say? this. <laughs> so remember what I said earlier, know my heart. <laughs> please, please hear my heart. Um, I am not asking you to spend, uh, suspend your uh, beliefs, your probably very strongly held beliefs on this topic, with one caveat. I am saying that if your beliefs cause you to demonize another side, I am asking you to change that. I don't believe that that is a Christian approach to anything. We as Christians have to always think about that whoever disagrees or agree, whoever disagrees with us, that they still was worth Jesus dying for, and that's all I need to know. That causes me, no matter what, to make sure that I love them, and I am always thinking about what's in their best interest. So, personally, I lean in the direction of pro-life. And I want to do everything I can to support um, the life of a child to enter into this world. So I say that to say, however, uh, many of my beliefs actually don't neatly fit into a political camp. And that's extremely okay with me. I'm very comfortable. I am humbly here entering into this conversation to say that it's very complex and there are a lot of things that are going on and I definitely acknowledge that. 
as much as this recent decision, Supreme Court decision, um, was a huge victory for some, it was actually a terrible decision for others. So that is what we're living in right now. You're seeing it in social media. You're seeing it on the news. There are people extremely excited about it, and there are people that are devastated about it. I personally struggle with the thought of telling, and this is just me, I personally struggle understanding that I lean pro-life. Uh, pro I struggle with the thought of telling a female what she can and cannot do with her body. And yet, I have to balance that with my desire to want to support every child to have a life here in this world. As a kingdom ambassador, I do not believe, and hear me closely, as a kingdom ambassador, I do not believe it is my job to figure out the legislative approach to how to fix this. It's not my job. And I want to submit to you, it's not your job. Our job is not to try to figure this out. Our job, and it has been clear in scripture, is to not lose focus on what is most important. 50 years ago when this legislation happened, our mandate from the kingdom of God was the same. Today, it is the same. It has not changed. Our mandate has not changed. It is to love. So no matter where you stand on the spectrum, it doesn't matter to me. You can be completely pro-life or pro-choice. You can feel very strongly about this or not. As a Christian, what my heart to you today is, is do not lose focus on what's most important. What is most important for us is to ensure that we use our say-so to help everyone we come in contact with. That is what's most important for us. Friday's decision didn't change my mandate. In fact, the decision by the Supreme Court, because of this political discourse, actually made my mandate even more important. I know it's emotional for many of us, and some of you are extremely passionate about it, and if you are, this may be actually an opportunity for you to get involved and ask yourself, how, what can I do as an ambassador of Christ in this situation? If you are in favor of the recent court decision, how can you help use your say-so to support families who are actually contemplating with this decision? A mother that is having to contemplate and make this decision. And I want us to say, you all, because of the complexity of what's going on, I understand, um, based on where I told you um, I lean, I actually understand that in, in certain ways, this decision has made, it may make people go underground and do something in a much less safer way to get an abortion. So I'm coming to you to tell you that a law is not going to fix what we need. What we need are Christians to stand up and be the light of the world. That is what we need right now in this time. That is what we're asking for. I want us to, I want us to remember that our call is to model 
this kingdom approach. And the modeling of this kingdom approach is actually a third way. It's neither right nor left. It's God's way. And God's way is to ensure that we love everyone. It is purposeful, and in any other approach is actually purposeless. As Christians, we engage in our community because it gives us purpose. It aligns with the teachings of Jesus, and it allows us to use our God-given say-so to make a difference. I want to make sure that we hear this, and I'm going to continue to say it. Don't get trapped up in these political debates. It is a side tour on what is most meaningful in our approach of being able to show the love of Christ and show what Jesus has done for everyone in this world. Mark 12 says it this way. Mark 12, 13 says, later they sent some of the Pharisees and Herodians to Jesus to catch him in his words. They were sneaky. They came to him and said, teacher, we know that you are a man of integrity. We aren't swayed by others who aren't swayed by others because you pay your attention to who they are, but you teach the ways of God in accordance with the truth. It is right to pay the imperial tax, or is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? That's the question that they're asking him. Should we pay or should we not? But Jesus knew their hypocrisy. Why are you trying to trap me? He asked, bring me a Daenerys, which is a coin, and let me look at it. They brought him the coin, and he asked them, whose image is on this, and whose inscription? Caesar, they replied. Then Jesus said to them, give back to Caesar what's Caesar's, and to God what's God's. And they were amazed at him. And they were amazed at him. Their amazement was based on his kingdom approach to the situation. He highlighted to them that they were actually focused on the wrong thing. You're trying to say, who, who do, should we pay these taxes? They were trying to catch him because there were two sides, as we're facing now. There were two sides of the argument. One side is if he say, pay the taxes, then that you are submitting to this local government rule and you're really not the king that you say you are. And then the others wanted him to say, hey, don't pay the taxes because we're just fulfilling what's going on here and we came to subdue. That was your role, that's your mandate. They were trying to trap him. Their question was ultimately, do we pay the imperial tax or not? Yes, give Caesar what Caesar's, and give God's what's God's. And he was such, I am so amazed in scripture how Jesus actually really never answers the question that they put at him. He goes a whole different way. And, and I was thinking about this. This is like politician 101, right? <laughs> we're watching on the news and we're like, they ask him a question, they ask somebody a question on a debate. And they're like, but what I want to talk about is, and we're like, no, answer the question. And from the looks at it, it could look like Jesus is trying to do this, but I want us to take a closer look. He's actually not. What he's saying is, you are actually focused on the wrong thing. It's not even about that. Pay to Caesar what's Caesar's. Do what you need to do over there. But something that you didn't ask me, and that I'm telling you, this is Jesus. I'm, I'm giving liberty to say how Jesus probably would say it. 
Jesus said, but give God what's God's. And what God's is all of us. It's all of you. Make sure you don't forget what you need to do in service to the kingdom of God. And I want us to remember that this morning. Don't forget. Don't forget what's most important. Don't forget that our goal, our job, our opportunity is to be the light to this dark world. It is a great opportunity in this very political tense time to be able to stand up and be a light and change the narrative in which people are thinking. It is a great opportunity to say that you're pro-life or pro-choice or however you feel or however you think on abortion and not care about how the other one feels about it and say, how can we work together to support a family that's wrestling with this type of the decision? It's that that we need to focus on. Don't get pushed out of our role to ensure that we're thinking about our mandate. We have a group here at the church um, called the Civic Engagement Team, and I'm just, I'm just so happy about Willing Hills that are thinking about ways for us as a community and a body to really get engaged in our community. Not just talk about it, but really get engaged. I'm also grateful here at Woodland Hills that we have opportunities to give to worthy causes to meet needs in our community. It's great, and I don't wanna try to conflate anything. It's great to give outside of your community, but it is also godly to think about needs within your community as well. I'm great to be a part of a church that's able to think about that. How are you showing up? How are you showing up in your community? Are you getting involved into the affairs of people that are hurting and need your assistance? Are you thinking about those that need your support? If so, are you being that light that we talked about in the scripture? Can people tell that you are an ambassador from the kingdom of God. How are you showing up? As I close, I want to remind you, and I just want you to know, we have a civic responsibility, not just about this society, but for the kingdom of God, to get involved in our community. We are the light which we see, and when we see others hurting, we're able to be that light and help them in whatever affairs that they have. If there's one thing that you had to take away from this message, I would ask that it be this. We have a civic responsibility from the kingdom of God to get involved in our community and that we cannot lose focus on that mandate based on whatever is going on politically in our society. God is looking for us to help our fellow brothers and sisters be that light. I know we can do this because he has all given us say-so to make a difference in our community. We must do it, and we must remember that we have a civic responsibility to do it. Amen. That's what I got for you today. I would like to pray um, to end our time together. Father, 
Thank you for this great opportunity to talk to your dear people. I pray that this message challenges us and encourages us to get involved in our community. It challenges us not to be sidelined by whatever is going on um, in the news, politically, but to ensure that our focus and our mandate doesn't change. I also pray, God, that you give us wisdom on how to navigate a lot of these very tough conversations. I know that we're going to potentially have conversations with our coworkers and with our family members, with our neighbors that may think differently than us. I pray, Father God, that you grant us peace, words, and wisdom on how to navigate those situations because ultimately our goal and our job is to point people to you. Our goal and our job is to acknowledge the love that you have for everyone by helping them, supporting them, and showing them your love. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. A few last announcements. Um, if you desire prayer, um, we'll have a few people here in the auditorium, and you can also get online um, and get into one of our rooms, Zoom rooms for prayer. We also have a newscast on Tuesdays with Shauna and Dan that goes deeper into this message. If you want to tease out a few things, we have gathering groups that are also here each week that you can get online. It's community here locally, but also around the world. Um, to connect with different people and to talk through the sermon series. And then for those of you that have kiddos, please don't um, forget to sign them up for next week so we can ensure that we have the volunteers necessary to support your kids. With that, thank you so much. Please have a great rest of your day and go be that light. Thank you.